Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to How Stuff Works Now. I'm your host, Lauren Vogelbaum, a researcher and writer here at How Stuff Works. Every week, I'm bringing you three stories from our team about the weird and wondrous advances we've seen in science, technology, and culture. This week, we take a look back at the perhaps surprisingly feminist founder of the American Home Ec class. And, unrelated... Why is reheated coffee such a miserable experience? The short answer is science. But first, senior editor Catherine Whitbourne, along with our freelance writer Alia Hoyt, seek to answer another question for us. Will there ever be a more comfortable replacement for the vice-like mammogram? Like making a panini with your boobs is how Anne-Marie Crabtree of Spring Hill, Tennessee, describes getting a mammogram. That sounds about right. Although mammograms are critically important for screening for breast cancer, the experience is far from delightful. It involves placing one breast at a time on a machine that clamps it between two plates while a low-dose X-ray of the breast is taken. Susan Brown, Director of Education with Susan G. Komen, explains the point of the compression on your boobs like this. X-rays don't go through tissue very easily, so the breast needs to be flattened out in order to spread out the tissue. This allows for a better X-ray image with less radiation. Currently, mammograms are the best breast cancer screening tool we have, but there could eventually be other ways of getting the same results with no compression. There's the breast ultrasound, where a handheld device is moved over the breast to take pictures of it. It's used to check abnormal results from a mammogram, for instance, to see what's inside a breast lump. It's more comfortable than a mammogram, but currently not accurate enough to be a screening tool on its own. That could change, though, as the technology improves. A biologically-based test is another option. Komen is funding research into creating a blood test that could look for the presence of certain proteins in the blood to detect cancer. Brown says a saliva or urine test could be a possibility one day, too. Here's another high-tech option. The Thomas Jefferson National Accelerator Facility and Dillon Diagnostics have teamed up to develop breast-specific gamma imaging. 
Here, the patient is injected with a chemical that would be more likely to be absorbed by cancerous tissue. Once absorbed, any cancerous cells would light up, allowing the scientist to form a two-dimensional image. The imaging is done by a special molecular imaging camera created by Dillon. For this procedure, the breast is confined to make it easier to image, but at least it's not pressed down. The camera is not yet on the market, partially because the injected radiation is a higher dose than patients currently are exposed to during a regular mammogram. Researchers are working to lower this dosage level. But until we arrive at the holy grail of a comfy mammogram, here are some ways you can lessen your discomfort. Number one, if you're premenopausal, schedule your mammograms immediately after your period when your breasts are less tender. Number two, use over-the-counter pain medications or even breathing techniques like those used during childbirth to help with anxiety. And number three, talk to the technician doing the mammogram if you're feeling a lot of discomfort during the procedure. Keep in mind, though, that any pressure on your breast is worth it in the short and long term when you compare that to the risk of actually getting breast cancer. Next up, staff editor Eves Jeffcoat and our freelance writer Kate Kirshner explore the fascinating life and times of Ellen Richards, the 19th century woman who helped make the study of living conditions into a science. Women in science have experienced what some researchers call the Matilda effect. The idea that women's work is systematically underrecognized or simply ignored, and men are given credit exclusively. The effect is evident, for example, when men are disproportionately given scientific awards and prizes, considering the number of women nominated. But researchers have become keener to learn how women's work in science has been overlooked or prone to bias. When one scientific journal switched its review process to leave out the names of authors, Women's acceptance rates rose 7.9%, and a 2013 study showed that abstracts of scientific papers were seen as higher quality if the author was male and wrote about a stereotypically male subject, like physics or math. But female scientists have also been pushed aside for the very fields in which they study. Let's delve into the story of Ellen Swallow Richards, who was instrumental to modern science, yet her legacy, and even entire field, was dismissed and appropriated into real scientific studies and her story typifies the Matilda effect. She was the first woman in America accepted into a scientific school, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which was then male only. She was also one of the first female chemists in the United States, a creator of state water quality standards and founder of the modern study of domestic science, or home economics. Ellen Richards' career path, by all accounts, hasn't received much recognition and perhaps has been pushed aside because it wasn't seen as scientifically rigorous as so-called male fields. After graduating from Vassar College with a degree in chemistry in 1870 and facing many rejections for jobs in the field, she decided to pursue more education. MIT accepted her, but only as a test case to see if women could handle the rigor of a science program. She passed a test. After receiving a Bachelor of Science in Chemistry in 1873, she became a leader in pollution studies and developed the study she dubbed Oakology which became the basis for ecology. Richards even taught sanitary chemistry at her alma mater for nearly 30 years. Richards' development of euthenics, a study she defined as the betterment of living conditions through conscious endeavor for the purpose of securing efficient human beings, demonstrates her commitment to improving public health and scientific education. Her early work as an ecologist studying air and water pollution led to her interest in examining the home environment. She founded the modern movement of home economics to incorporate science into the tasks of everyday life as a way of improving living conditions on a household level. 
Maybe your idea of home ec is simply sewing a button on clothes and learning to cook an omelet. And yes, the science does include these household tasks. But what Ellen Richards recognized was that cooking, sanitary conditions, household organization, and raising a healthy family were absolutely based in science. Not that women universally embraced her mindset, though. Some early women's liberation activists were not fans, believing that home ec just enslaved women to household tasks and didn't promote equality. But Ellen Richards' work added value and scientific backing to work that women were already doing, like cleaning and raising children. She highlighted public health issues like hygiene and lunch in schools and household issues like arsenic content and wallpaper and fabric. Much of Richard's progressiveness resided in her uplifting a typically female sphere instead of urging women into typically male spheres for recognition. Radical stuff, really. Richards even brought her background as a chemist into the kitchen, making chemistry part of the domestic activities of cooking and eating. She promoted nutrition education and the science behind foods at a time when diets were often poor and people rarely discussed health. Today, the science of diet and nutrition is now studied robustly. But Richards also worked hard to give women and girls access to traditionally male spaces. In 1876, she founded the Women's Laboratory at MIT, a place for women to study the sciences, which gave women more recognition in higher education. We still shuffle the discipline of home economics now called family and consumer sciences, into a marginalized field or considered a soft science, although the work is vital to many professions. Generally, it includes the same studies as 100 years ago, like nutrition and wellness, housing practices and research, and family and child development. Yet it could be argued that society has largely forgotten the woman who pioneered the home economic movement and made science education and professions more accessible for women. Many fields we might consider more rigorous or important, like sanitation and environmental studies, are closely tied to Richard's research, just like the Matilda effect might have predicted. Finally this week, staff editor Christopher Hatsiotis and our freelancer Jessalyn Shields call in an expert to explain the chemistry of coffee. Why is it so delicious hot or cold, and so much the opposite once it's been reheated? Hot coffee's supposed to be hot. Cold coffee's supposed to be cold. That's the deal. Ask anybody. The problem, then, with hot coffee is that you can't drink the whole cup while it's at optimal temperature, unless you're willing to really guzzle it. So, when it gets cold, you've got a few choices. Just drink it cold, reheat it, or pour the cup down the drain and start over with a new pot. All three of these approaches are either perfectly fine or completely barbaric, depending on whom you ask. To some... Hot coffee that's gone cold is revolting. To others, the reheating process renders it completely undrinkable. But tell that to the person who pops a cup of 9-hour-old Java into the microwave at 4 p.m. each afternoon just to power through until bedtime, poo-pooing your scornful commentary. Research into the flavors involved in reheating this humble drink is pretty much non-existent. But everything most likely has to do with our sense of smell. Humans aren't great at separating our gustatory and olfactory responses our taste and smell responses, and coffee has aromas and flavors that hit all five of the tastes that can be picked up by your tongue. Sweet, salty, bitter, sour, and savory. Yes, fine, you can call it umami. So, your personal sense of smell has a lot to do with how coffee tastes to you, whatever the temperature or however that temperature was achieved. But listen, the chemical makeup of coffee is astoundingly complex. Even though its reputation relies heavily on the presence of caffeine, coffee gets its flavor from around 1,000 different chemical compounds. Also, 
The final flavor of the coffee you enjoyed this morning was the product of a dizzying array of variables, including temperatures and weather conditions the coffee beans experienced, when the beans were harvested, how they were dried, how they were stored and roasted, and how they were ground and brewed. So, while the compound 3-methylbutanol might make your cup of joe taste a little caramel-like, and ethyl nonanoate may give it some fruitier notes, each step of the process either brings out or suppresses any one of these many aromatic compounds differently. We spoke with Christopher Hendon, a postdoctoral fellow in a chemistry department at MIT and author of Water for Coffee, a book about how coffee interacts with water. He told us, Reheating coffee, in principle, can be an absolutely fine approach to achieving a tasty beverage. In practice, this is not usually observed because people reheat it in ways that promote the loss of delicious volatile compounds. And so the process of heating, cooling, and heating again drives smelly and tasty compounds right out of the cup. According to Hendon, coffee experts seem to prefer a drink that has been brewed within the past 5 to 20 minutes. And it turns out that most people prefer the coffee as it cools to around 150 degrees Fahrenheit, or 65 degrees Celsius. This has to do with the way our taste pathways respond to temperature in our food. When something we put in our mouth is too hot or too cold, we can't detect all the compounds that contribute to its flavor. And since coffee has loads of these compounds, the temperature of the drink really can affect the taste. Brewing the coffee brings out these aromatic compounds, but whether the cooling process changes the actual chemistry seems to be controversial. Hendon says it's absolutely benign, while others claim it makes the drink more acidic, as the coffee that's exposed to the air oxidizes. So reheating coffee to the same temperature it was when it was first brewed might help you reach that sweet spot temperature-wise. But it also has the potential to cause additional chemical reactions that further alter the flavor. And if you're reheating coffee that already has milk or sugar in it, that's even more in the way of flavors, proteins, chemicals, and compounds to contend with. So although many coffee connoisseurs will tell you it's a lost cause once your coffee goes cold, others say it's just important to reheat your coffee as slowly as you can in order to prevent additional chemical reactions. If you're worried the ghosts of past foods heated in your microwave are coming back to haunt your reheated coffee, Hendon says that's actually pretty unlikely telling us that the concentration of volatile chemicals in, say, splattered pasta sauce is pretty low, so he'd be surprised if we could attribute the bad taste of microwave coffee to only that. The websites of large coffee shop chains even speak out against microwaving their coffee. But also, there's advice out there for nuking coffee if you must. So pass that info along before your next coffee argument heats up. That's our show for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Further thanks to our audio tech, Tristan McNeil, our producer, Dylan Fagan, and our editorial liaison, Allison Loudermilk. Subscribe to Now, Now, for more of the latest science news, and send us links to anything you'd like to hear us cover. Plus, what's your favorite flavor? Mine is bitter. You can send us an email at nowpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And, of course, for lots more stories like these, head on over to our home planet, now.howstuffworks.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.